0: Today, I'm going to continue with our series on the bridge. Um, Last week, we talked about Jesus created the greatest bridge ever known, our bridge back to the Father. He was the only one who could span the gap between our sin and a Holy Father, and that was the bridge we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about a bridge to unity, which is a hard thing in the church today, because when I'm talking church, I'm talking Big C Church, all of them. I'm not just talking our church. I'm talking to people outside that go to church nowhere, see the fact that we can't get along with this denomination, this denomination can't get along with this denomination, this denomination complains about this denomination and how they're going to hell, and how all of them are wrong if they're not that denomination. That's a problem, because what are people who don't know anything about Jesus seeing in that? If you guys can't get along, why should I want to be part of your group? And then we have to justify why we're better than the other group. I have got a friend of mine who's Catholic. We have a great time talking. I give him a hard time about his man-made doctrines. He gives me a hard time about our man-made doctrines. But we have one thing in common. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It's by his blood that we're saved. And that's what we focus on. So we can have unity in Christ. And so when I'm talking about unity this morning, I'm talking about the unity we have as the body of Christ focused on one thing, and that's Jesus. And that will draw people to him. That won't be a hindrance against him. i start this morning off with a, with a little story. Once upon a time, there were two brothers who shared adjoining farms. For over 40 years, they worked side by side, sharing equipment and helping each other out whenever they needed it. Then one day, a rift developed. It began with a small misunderstanding and it grew into a major difference and it finally exploded into exchange of bitter words followed by months of angry silence. One day the eldest brother Pete was out in his fields and someone pulled up. Out jumped a man who approached Pete carrying a carpenter's toolbox. I'm looking for a few days work, he said. Perhaps you have a small job I could do for you. Well, yes I do, said Peter. See that creek down there? It's the border between my brother's farm and mine. My brother keeps it nice and deep to stop me from setting one foot on his beloved farm. Well, I'll oblige him. I want you to take that timber over there by the barn and build me a new fence. A real tall one so that I don't have to look over at my stinking brother and his farm anymore. The carpenter was glad to have the work. He said, no worries, mate. I understand. Just point me to the post hole digger and I'll get the job done. So the carpenter set about working. Meanwhile, the farmer Pete drove into town to the cattle auction. When he returned at sunset, he was shocked to see what the carpenter had done. There was no fence. Instead, the carpenter had built a bridge, and walking across it was Pete's younger brother. He held out his hand and spoke to his brother, Pete, after all I've done to you in the past few weeks, I can't believe you'd still reach out to me. You're right. It's time to bury the hatchet. The two brothers met in the middle of the bridge and embraced. They turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox on his shoulder. No, wait, stay a few days. I've got lots of other projects for you, said Farmer Pete. He said, I'd love to stay on, but I have to move on and build other bridges. Our job and the reason we went with the name Bridge Church is we want to build bridges between where people are and who Jesus has called them to be. That's our job. We grab our toolbox, which is the Word of God. We strap on the Holy Spirit. We work with each other, and we build bridges to connect with people where they are to leading to an authentic, life-changing encounter with Jesus, because the name of Jesus is the only thing that changes hearts. No amount of preaching I do can change someone's heart. No amount of Bible that I know and Bible knowledge I have can change anything. Jesus is the only one. And that's why I say we're going to accept everybody walking through these doors. Because it's not my job to judge them. It's my job to love them in Christ and let him fix the problems. i got enough problems of my own. Trust me. I need my own self fixed. Thank you. I I was going to keep going until somebody gave me one. Christian unity is based on our shared life in Christ. It's a major source for witness to the world, and it is expressed through common love, common purpose, and common mission. Today I want to go to Ephesians 2, and we're going to read 11 through 16, the first part. So go ahead and look that up if you've got your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. If you've got electronic devices, look it up on electronic devices. And so Ephesians two it starts off with says, Therefore remember that you formerly, you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at the time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might take the two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Through about eight different steps this morning that the Bible talks about Christian unity. And I'm going to break some of these things down, but the first one, the hardest one for most of us to overcome, is guess what, conflict's going to come. You're going to have problems. And if you look up John 16, 33, it says, I have told you this, that you will have peace by being united in me. He said, guess what, before that, he said, guess what, you're going to have problems, get over it, you big baby, that's gene version. In case you don't read my version of the Bible. He said, get over it, you're gonna have problems. But understand, I've overcome the world. So you can hang on to me. Now, in my life, I've gone through a lot of different things. I've had a lot of different problems. And this is since I became a Christian, that I've had a lot of problems. Before I was a Christian, they were bad enough, but I just dealt with them. But when I became a Christian, and all of a sudden I see my my family starting to fall apart. And I go to God, and I'm like, seriously, dude, I am reading your word. I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing your name, Jesus, to people. What am I doing wrong? Why is my life falling apart? And you know what he says? Are your problems bigger than me? Because I, I, I heard that one night, driving in my car, tears streaming down my face, praying for my kids. Praying for some other kids that I knew. Praying for some sick people I knew. And I'm just crying out. I'm like, God, why is all this happening? I'm doing all this for you. And then I finally shut up long enough. And that's exactly what he said. Are your problems bigger than me? So understand, if you're going through this something this morning, it's okay. Because your problem's not bigger than the God you serve. The God you serve will show up. So understand, conflict is going to come you're going to have problems. The problem we have when conflict comes between Christians is we start to say words that are cutting to them. And then what does that do? That creates a barrier between us and a brother and sister in Christ. We can't focus on unity because we're focused on our differences. We're focused on they said this and they hurt this, and everybody in the world today is offended by something. Somebody's not going to like the color of my shirt this morning when they see it on the video and it's going to offend them. Why? Because it looks like leather. I don't know. We get offended over everything. And one thing I learned from a, a speaker, Rod Loy, as I was listening to a leadership podcast, is he said, when, when you come to Christ, he said, you've given up your right to be offended. Why? Because we follow Christ. People are going to get offended but I don't have to get offended with them. And if you want to do anything for Christ, understand the enemy don't like that because you're trying to pilfer his kingdom. So that's Sometimes conflict is a good thing because you know you're doing something for Jesus. Why would the enemy want to attack you if you're not doing nothing for Jesus? I'll say that one more time. If you're a little too comfortable in your life, Maybe you need to work a little harder for Jesus. Because our life not supposed to be comfortable. We're supposed to be pursuing the cross. Ain't nothing comfortable about a cross. That was death. That was shame. And so whenever my life gets too comfortable, I'm like, "Okay, God, what can I what can you do to screw this up today?" And he'll put somebody in my life that just messes with how I think. And so I'm constantly growing. But what we need to understand is as conflict comes, Jesus is the bridge that will bring unity back. When we focus on his work and what he did on the cross, unity is brought back to his body. John 12, 32, it says, And if I be lifted up from the earth, all men will be drawn to to myself. So he was telling people, he was telling his disciples, guess what, I'm going to be crucified on a cross. He said, but it has to happen because when I'm lifted up, people will look to me and see the salvation that's in my name. Jesus was lifted up to the cross and killed in shame. All men will be healed when they look to him. Now, the healing that Jesus brings is a healing of salvation. It's a healing of hope. It's a healing of peace. It's a healing of joy. It's not a healing necessarily of a physical thing. Now, he did do that because Isaiah 53 says he took the stripes on his back for our healing. And that's physical healing. So Jesus said, guess what? Yes, healing is part of the deal. But what do you want more, a physical healing or you want time with me? How many of you guys have ever sat at home and said, God, I just wish you'd end this and take me home because things would be better in heaven? If you haven't, get there. Because Paul was there, wasn't he? He said, I wish I could die and go to heaven and hang out with God, but God's got me here for something else. And sometimes you say, God, that something else is just really hard and it doesn't make sense. And you say, fine, God, it's your deal. I'm going to keep moving forward. When we understand that Jesus is our bridge to unity, we're able to forgive other people. Why? Because he first forgave us, right? So this morning, if you have an offense, and Jesus talked about it a few times, if you have anything against your brother before you come to the altar, go, go ask for forgiveness first. Because you have to have a right heart to receive from Jesus, and a right heart is a forgiving heart. Because you were forgiven when you were still his enemy. And me too. While I didn't love Jesus, he forgave me. He said, I'm going to come in, I'm going to make you new. In the good news translation of, of John 16:33, it says, "I have told you this that you will have peace by being united with me." And the reason I went back to that is because of this last part. It says, "The world will make you suffer. How many guys want to suffer this morning? Be honest, none of us want to. But when we understand it ends with, be brave, I have defeated the world. We're so scared once in a while when things go wrong that we're outside the will of God that we miss the fact sometimes we may be right where God wants us to be to create the character he needs in us. And so this morning you have to decide if you're willing to set aside your feelings and what you think God is about to be transformed into who he says he is. I don't get to decide what God looks like. He does. And like the story of the potter and the clay, the pot doesn't get to decide what it's gonna look like. The potter does. And so when it comes to my life, and I'm not the potter, I have to let God mold me into who he says I am. And I can only do that by forgiving others because when I hold on to unforgiveness I hold on to resentment and hate and I let someone else control me we all think we're in control of our own lives until we can't let go of an offense and when you can't let go of an offense and you cannot forgive you've given someone else control over your life I'm selfish I don't want someone else to control my life I want Jesus to so if I can have freedom by forgiving even though I don't want to I'm gonna forgive we need to understand that Christian unity is not organizational and it's not external it's based on a shared faith in Jesus so when the churches can come together, and thankfully in Rice we have some great churches, and I'm praying for our churches all the time, because we get together with the other churches in the area as pastors, and we pray for our churches. Why? Because it's about God's kingdom. John seventeen twenty through 22 says, I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Understand this morning, that's Jesus praying over your life. That was Jesus' prayer. And he says, when when they live in unity, the world will know it. In our society today, we've married the concepts of approval and acceptance. What I mean by this is that you will, most people today will only believe I accept them if I approve of what they're doing. And they're two totally different definitions acceptance is not the same of approval and approval is not the same of acceptance acceptance is something any person can give to another person you don't need a degree you don't need some training you don't need some qualifications to accept somebody do you but it says i receive you as you are and isn't that what jesus did to every one of us when you read stories of jesus meeting people in the bible he accepted everyone didn't he But here's where the twist comes in. Did he approve of sin? Sin is sin no matter what. Jesus accepted people and then always said, go and sin no more. Jesus said, as you draw close to me, you'll become more like me. And what does that mean? It means the sin that we thought we needed in our life is now peeled away slowly. It doesn't have to be right away. It doesn't have to be one of those bright, shining moments. But as we draw closer to Christ, we become more like Christ. And so why do we accept people like they are? Because Jesus changes people. And when we can love them with the love of Christ, they can be changed into his image. And so we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ because he's praying for everyone. Nowhere in the Bible does it say there's only certain people Jesus cared about or certain people Jesus prayed for. He said, if anyone comes to me, if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who comes to me is saved. He doesn't say there's a, there's a prerequisite to it. He doesn't say have things fixed, have things cleaned up, have your life perfect. He says, come in messy. We'll clean up the mess. Now, we talked about it last Sunday in our Next Steps group. We want to be one of the messiest churches around. We just do. I want the mess that is people seeking Jesus, the good, the bad, and the ugly that was me, because I can guarantee there ain't one of you that would have invited me to church. I had three earrings, flat top, shaved head, black clothing, wore Raiders outfits, and walked around with that attitude. I would punch you if you looked at me funny. How many of you guys would have invited me to church? One of you, sweet. That's who Jesus is looking for. I was driving around Pine City. I, was, I worked over there as a pastor for a year. i got to tell you the story. It was awesome. I'm driving around with the senior pastor over there, and we drive by these youth, all in black clothing, got them skull masks on. And I looked at him, and I said, that's who I want in our youth group. He's like, why? I'm like, because they are sold out for what they believe in. If we can introduce them to Jesus... They're going to be sold out for Jesus, and they're going to change the world. Don't look for people cleaned up. Look for people who have passion. Because when we can redesign that passion into the unity of Christ, it will change the world. Why do we do what we do? Because Jesus says we must protect our unity. In Ephesians 4.3, it says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. So how do we protect our unity? We have to forgive people. If someone offends you, forgive them. Talks about going to someone if they've hurt your feelings and try to forgive them because what happens with forgiveness is freedom. Now, if they don't forgive you, so what? You've asked for forgiveness. Move on. Don't hang out there and try to earn their forgiveness because it means they have a hang-up. And if you can't forgive somebody, you got to hang up. And bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to forgive this person, but I can't. You have to forgive them through me. Sometimes we need to do that. We have to work together for the common good, which is Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that no matter what is going on in our life, that God is good all the time. Our circumstances do not get to decide if God is good. God is just good. Jesus is just good. We don't have to agree with everyone. We don't have to agree with everything everyone does. But Jesus did call us to love one another with a love that shows his kindness. Because in his word it says God's kindness will lead them to repentance. Nowhere do I read your judgment is going to bring anybody to Jesus. Unity among the body is essential. Because what would happen if I'm driving home today, and my brain's telling me I have to take a left, but my hands want to take a right? I wouldn't go anywhere, except maybe into a ditch. So as a body of Christ, which is called the church is called, and we're not focused on that one united focus, which is Jesus Christ and his work, how can we do the work he's called us to do when we're heading seven directions? So why are we going through this Next Steps program we just started? It's because I want people to understand that this is who God's called us to be. This is the DNA of who we are. This is the direction of where we're traveling. So we can work in one united mind, in one accord, seeking the name of Jesus. And then we're going to get to work. So number four on our list is we, have, we keep the unity. We, we strive for it. We desire it. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10, and 11, it says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. And why? So that Satan will not outsmart us. Ooh, that's a tough one, ain't it? Now you're telling me, God, if I don't forgive somebody that Satan can trick me? That's what he said. Why? Because you need to understand we're familiar with his evil ways. That's what the end of that verse says. So as you read your Bible, you're going to understand that there's an enemy out there who wants to stop you from seeing Jesus and stop you from growing together. Number five is, guess what? We're just going to love the people God sends in this church. I don't care who it is. We're just going to love people. 1 John 4.20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. So how many of you guys ever been offended by a brother or sister in Christ? And then didn't forgive them. Yeah, I know none of you guys leave your hands up. God says you're a liar if you say you love them. I got smacked all over by this message. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. For if we do not love the people we can see, how can we love a God we cannot see? That's how that verse finishes. So it's very, very important that we forgive each other. Number six is we're going to use wisdom in every situation. And we're going to pray to God to give us that wisdom in every situation. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And so when we understand, we can pray to God and get wisdom. And we understand the Christian saying, love the sinner and hate the sin. It's one of those sayings that so effectively shows who Christians are that says we're supposed to love our neighbor unconditionally. But sin is always wrong and we need to avoid it. We like to say that saying and then we use the hate the sin to hate the person. Why do I say that? (laughs) Because I've seen a lot of churches jump on a lot of sins that they think are worse than other ones and condemn people. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus wouldn't have had to come if the religious people had had it right. Sin's wrong. But if we're going to be a messy church, people are bringing it here. Why? Because they need Jesus, not because they're fixed already. Seventh thing is we're going to bring peace between people. Ephesians 2.14 says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility hostility that separated us. Again, it's Christ that brings unity. It's Christ is enough. It's not Christ plus anything that gives us salvation. It's Christ. Jesus is the only one. And the last one is we're going to be at peace with others. And Hebrews I I really like how they say it because to me it says pursue peace with all and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And to me to pursue something means you're running after it with everything you got. Are you pursuing peace with everything you have this morning with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you pursuing God with that same passion? Are you pursuing the cross with that? John repeatedly emphasized He sent him to be Savior of all who believe in him but how can the world believe in Jesus Paul explains in Romans 10 14 through 15 how then will they call on him who they have not believed how will they believe in him who they have not heard how will they hear without a preacher or how will they preach unless they are sent just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. Understand this morning as we finish up service, when you walk out of here today, you may be the only Bible people ever read. What Jesus do you want them to see? Do you want them to see one that's, pull, you know, I went to church this morning and I had to get up early or you want to be that person that says, guess what, I go going to meet with God today. It was amazing. That says everyone can come because when you come, you ain't going to leave the same. Jesus has freedom for everyone. And to finish off this morning, before we go into prayer, Psalm 133.1 says, it's a song of pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. So it's a, it's a, it's a picture of the people coming to church that's what this picture is it says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony so when people are going to church all over the country today that's the picture of what David was proclaiming when he wrote that what a joy it is to watch brothers and sisters enter into God's holy sanctuary in harmony today focused on one thing and that's the love of Jesus